Welcome to Recloseted Radio. This is the top-rated podcast for slow fashion founders. Whether you're thinking about launching a slow fashion brand, scaling an existing clothing brand, or making a brand more environmentally friendly, we have you covered. I'm your host, Selena Ho, the founder and CEO of Recloseted. Each week, I'm sharing my proven strategies or interviewing industry experts. Without any further ado, let's get started. Welcome back to another episode of Recloseted Radio. In this episode, I am joined by Blythe, who is the founder and CEO of Tradle, a circular clothing service for children based in Vancouver, BC. Blythe is a two-time University of Waterloo graduate with both a Bachelor of Science and a Master's of Business, Entrepreneurship, and Technology, which he's now combining along with his passion for the circular economy, zero waste, and cradle-to-cradle design principles. This episode was a really great conversation around where the fashion industry needs to go and where the clothing economy needs to go in general from a extension of a garment's life cycle and a renting and repurposing perspective. And speaking of where the fashion industry needs to go, if you're a slow fashion founder that's listening to this episode and you'd like help with your sustainability strategies and our priorities, as well as developing your roadmap, reporting on your progress, and communicating your efforts to your community without coming across as greenwashing, book a complimentary discovery call to see if it's a fit to work together. Our team only works with a limited number of clients every single year to ensure we maximize the results that we give our clients. If you're interested in working together, you can visit recloseted.com call to book a call directly with me, Selena, the founder of Recloseted, and we can create a tailored consulting package for your needs. The link again is recloseted.com call, and it will also be in the show notes for you. And now let's dive into this episode with Blythe. Welcome to Recloseted Radio, Blythe. I'm so excited to have you. Thanks for having me. It's really a pleasure and a privilege. So thanks. Yeah, of course. And to start the episode, I always ask folks the same question, but can you give a quick introduction to yourself and also an overview of your career? Sure. So yeah, my name's Blythe. I've been running a startup called Tradle for the last uh, two and a bit years, and it's a circular clothing service uh, right now for children and new parents that have kids that quickly don't grow clothes. That's the big project I've been working on. And uh, prior to that, I've been in the startup space for about 10 years, working with different businesses to help them grow. I've always wanted to be in kind of a small entrepreneurial company and I took the plunge by actually going back to school to learn more about business after a first degree in environmental science. So I've always had this environmental draw and I thought maybe the business role could help with trying to achieve those things. We live in a very money-driven, business-driven world. So how can we kind of balance out the needs of the planet with the needs of species trying to thrive and survive? Yeah, so that eventually led you to starting Tradle. And so can you tell us a little bit more about Tradle and what gave you the idea to start? Yeah, so it's a um, clothing subscription for new parents where they can have access to a library of new and gently used clothes in the right size, in the right season. And whenever there's a growth spurt, they can 
ask us for a new curated mix and match wardrobe that will arrive at their door. And when it arrives, they'll send us back the clothes that no longer fit. So we'll wash, repair if necessary, put back into storage and, and recirculate as often as possible, trying to get the most out of those clothes while making just things really simple, convenient, and affordable for parents that have probably a lot already on their hands. We're excited about not only making this affordable and accessible to every parent, but really trying to help brands understand that this is the way of the future. And you can, through different business models like this, make more money from your own products if they're designed to last a long time and designed to be able to be reused, resold, or re-rented. It's kind of, I think, the, the way of the future, not just for clothes, but for everything. We've been making things in a way that has led to products being of lesser quality and designed not to really last a long time. So planned obsolescence. It's led to a world where we have landfills overflowing and tons of plastic in the ocean. And once people sell things right away, they kind of are able to kind of wipe their hands and say, hey, that's not my responsibility anymore. You know, it's now the customer's responsibility. And then Maybe it's the government's responsibility to deal with their, the waste and landfills. So we're excited about helping new parents and solve the clothing headaches that they have. But also, this is about trying to show the world that the, the new business models are coming and it's um, ideally more profitable, more sustainable, and yeah, more, more beneficial for, for society in general. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Just speaking on the parents piece too, like I, I know we've talked about this before, but I've had so many friends where they get gifts from grandparents or friends. And then by the time the baby's born, it's like they've all outgrown the pieces already. And like, what do you do with these pieces now? And so there's a lot of waste there. And then the kids grow so fast. So then all of a sudden it's so hard to keep up with all of that. So I think that tradle is great. And from a brand perspective too, like you hit the nail on the head where you might just be able to sell something once and then the brand maybe only gets that revenue that one time. But then in your model, if they're renting it out for eight, like 16 times, that revenue opportunity that they wouldn't have gotten before. So it is a really exciting business model we're moving towards now as a society. Yeah, and it's only in its infancy. I mean, the secondhand clothing markets have exploded, so people have already gotten used to secondhand gear. I kind of thought the baby clothing industry was a natural place to start with these new models because hand-me-downs was so popular already and parents understand that they grow through clothes so quickly, but we're realizing at a societal scale that secondhand stuff is just as good as, as new things, you know, and they're more affordable and they're just as accessible. So. Now it's just about trying to help brands profit from these secondhand markets and take advantage of the money that they can make themselves from their own product. Yeah. And I think that shift is so important too, because then right now we're in a model where brands need to produce to make money. And so there's a lot of overproduction. So if we can now shift towards the model that you're talking about, maybe the focus is less on producing new, but how can we produce for longer? And then also continue to make money, which is better for us as a society as well. Yeah, 100%. That's exactly it. I heard about this idea that started in Denmark originally. So I was getting involved in learning about cradle-to-cradle design and this new circular economy concept. And I saw this amazing 
business in Denmark called Viga, who uh, was named after the founder. And she was doing this clothing subscription um, service for her own brand. And uh, I just finished my business school. I was like, okay, let's bring this idea to Canada <laughs> and uh, reached out to her. And unfortunately, never went anywhere in those early days. But then I reached out to her later after having moved to Vancouver. I'm like, okay, I've been thinking about this idea for too long. Let's try it out here. And she had since sold it and, and moved on to another cool business. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's an idea that's been trickling and starting up around the world. And we're just trying to make it happen here in Canada and ideally apply it to more than just clothes eventually. Yeah, that would be really exciting. And this is overall such a rewarding business to be building. So what have your favorite memories or experiences been so far? It always feels so good when somebody says, oh, I love this business. Thank you for doing it. <laughs> it. It never gets old. When somebody first discovers you and goes, oh, this is perfect. This is exactly what I believe in as well. It aligns with my values. And, and we have the best customers, the best members um, who are so forgiving and so understanding and just so appreciative. And they love, you know, saying things about us that are always uh, good too. So we're super grateful to have all of those early adopters with us. Oh, that's so great. And this just proves that you're solving a pain point and adding value, right? Because if you weren't, you wouldn't get these types of raving testimonials and experiences. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. It means a lot. And so as you're building a circular clothing service and platform, one of the hardest things is building up the inventory and also the customer base. So two-part question here. First part, can you talk a little bit about how you got those initial brands to supply inventory on your site? And then secondly, can you talk a little bit about how you were able to get those initial customers and early adopters? Yeah, so we're lucky in that we're in Vancouver and there are tons of great businesses, not only here, but across Canada that <clears throat> have already been showing their progressive, environmentally friendly kind of values. And so just kind of approaching them and saying, hey, starting this new thing, we're going to buy your clothes because we don't want you to have the risk um, of this new type of business model. So we'll buy your clothes and we're going to go through this circular process ourselves if you're comfortable with that. And so that's how we've been kind of buying inventory, which is expensive, especially if you're renting it out and it takes some time to recuperate those costs. We're now transitioning towards a model where we're just providing that platform for brands to provide us with their clothes, whether it's overstock or new items, so that we will attach these digital IDs to them, which will help us to track these clothes over time in terms of their usage and how often they're cycled. And so kind of then moving towards a revenue share model where the brands are actually making all of the money from the rental service and we're just taking a commission to wash, repair, send it out, ship it, receive it. And so we're doing the service part and they're profiting from their product as a service. Yeah, that's great. In regards to your customers, do you want to speak a little bit about how you were able to get those early adopters as well? I know we work together a little bit to develop your marketing strategy. So do you want to talk about if word of mouth has been really good for you or tactics like being on baby registries? Like speak to that a little bit. Yeah, and it's still a constant learning experience. And I think marketing always will be. Um, but yeah, we just kind of had to take a guess about sharing the value 
in terms of the environmental piece, the, the cost piece, the convenience piece, and to see who resonated with that. And luckily we've been getting so many referrals and word of mouth has been huge. And so we've been trying to have some consistency and presence on social media and SEO is, is good and decent. And so customers now are hearing about us, typing us into you know, Google directly and finding us. So that's been um, rewarding as well, knowing that there are people searching actively for something like this. And when they come across us, uh, it's like we're checking all the boxes. So yeah, it's uh, now time to try and increase that inventory supply so that we can fulfill huge demand. That. That's great. And speaking of balance, have you found that it's been relatively easy balancing the two items? So managing inventory and also managing the amount of members and customers you have, or is that more of an ongoing battle that you're always dealing with? It's a definite battle, but it's a good one to have. If you're growing and more customers are finding you than you're able to kind of supply with your own inventory, it's, it's a good problem to have. Customers are very patient and understanding too knowing that there are shipping issues and we've just all been through a pandemic together. So some brands didn't even, you know, do a, a fall catalog or a summer catalog. So there's lots of nuances and kind of fun coming from a startup world to actually experience what everybody says happens in a startup where the early adopters, the ones that totally get what you're trying to do are so comfortable and flexible and understanding with all the hiccups and the bumps too. So yeah, it's just been a definite challenge, but uh, yeah, we're, we're excited about having proven this model and, and opening up the, the doors to enable all the brands and all the people to join. Yes, I love that. And I also wanted to speak about the digital ID piece for a second too. Is that RFID technology you're using or is it blockchain technology? Can you speak a little bit more about that? Yeah, so we want to start with whatever is easiest right, right now. QR codes actually exploded in North America with restaurants. And so everybody is becoming very familiar with QR codes, even though around the world, they were already a big thing. We'd like to help customers interact with the product as well through QR codes. RFID will be just more so for our inventory management. So when the product is in-house, <clears throat> we can scan you know, 200 items all at once. Instead of doing things one by one, we'll be able to locate individual items, whether they're over here, over there, just by scanning them. It's also just to provide that transparency and that visibility to our brand partners as well, to help them track their clothes over time, to know how much money they can make. And there are some other benefits as well from this traceability aspect parents earning points, knowing that they took great care of their clothes. And guess what? Seven other parents got to experience that romper as well. Hey, we can, we can reward everyone now because we know that romper went through seven different households, you know, and saved, you know, X amount of textile waste going to, to landfills. Let's all participate and share in the responsibility of, of these high quality clothes. And, and sometimes, you know, stuff happens to close too. So we have to be cognizant that it's perfectly okay and things happen. We're there to try and take care of the clothes as well by washing and, and repairing uh, as necessary. So there's always our service to, to help keep clothes in circulation as long as possible too. But having these digital IDs, I think, is going to unlock a lot of 
potential for businesses and for individuals to really share the use of those products. Yeah, that's super exciting because to your point, you can almost gamify it with the parents. And from a brand perspective, that data is gold because you can tell brands how many times an item's been in circulation or maybe what's more popular than other things. And that level of data, I think, will be really helpful for brands. Yeah, 100%. And everybody loves to throw the word sustainability around. What's green, what's eco-friendly. But when you have that data of what the material is, where it came from, what mill processed it, how were the workers treated in that factory, that facility, what kind of dyes or chemicals went in there. So you have all of this information now stored in this digital ID. And then as well, how are those products used over time and circular strategy that that brand had? where that product is going to end up when it can no longer be circulated. Where can those materials be recycled or biodegraded? Again, it just unlocks all of this value that we can extract and and try and help to, to mitigate these wasteful problems that are associated just with our current linear business model. And out of curiosity, do you know how long on average a tradal article of clothing gets to circulate in the community? Because for folks listening, they might be thinking that baby clothes and kids' clothes, the lifespan might not be very long because kids are always spilling things, they're running around, they're rough with their clothes. And so do you have any data on that? Yeah. So it depends on the age and depends on what the item is. But we have been shocked and pleasantly surprised at just how durable a lot of these clothes are and the amazing job that these local Canadian brands are doing. I am sitting next to a small pile of clothes that need to be treated for stains, have some repair issues, but in general, I'm confident to say that on average, a product is probably going to last at least five cycles. We're hoping that, again, with these digital IDs, we can accurately track all of this and show that the brands could make 100% more money over these five and more cycles. Wow, that's great. And how long is each cycle? It's approximately three months. We have, you know, newborn sizes, zero to three, three to six, and then things start going in 12-month sizes, which I'm not a big fan of. I think in Europe, they do it by actual centimeters instead of age. But the seasons change a lot here too in Canada. And so we want all of our parents to always have the right seasonal clothes. So again, every three months, we offer to, to do an exchange or upgrade the little one's wardrobe. I mean, even just doing some quick, simple math, if it's on average five plus cycles and each cycle is three months, that's already 15 months that that garment's been in circulation and been using, which is amazing because typically I would say, you know, for a new piece of garment, the child's maybe wearing it for a few months and then they're outgrowing it and then maybe it gets handed down to a sibling or a friend and that's great, but sometimes that doesn't happen and then it goes to landfill. So I think the impact here is huge. Yeah, thanks. And hand-me-downs are great. The reuse of anything is awesome. And we're not trying to displace that because the social connectedness and the importance of like parents going through the experience together and helping one another out is awesome. It's amazing. I do know we're, we're kind of maybe taking away from that a little bit. So we're trying to enhance that social cohesion. Yeah, and I think you're adding value to parents' lives and your services, right? Like through the cleaning of the garments so they don't really have to worry about it. And also don't forget that you're making a community with the Tradle members too. 
Yeah, 100%. And I would love to find the right colleague or teammate to help build that community. I mean, I think any company has two really important things. Or it's the product or the service, you know, and how valuable it's doing, but also the, the community. And speaking of teams, can you take us behind the scene and talk a little bit about the team at Tradle and what everyone does? Because sometimes you can hear a really great business model like this, and think that you need an army of team members to make it happen, which isn't always the case. So can you tell us a little bit more about your team? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I've been so fortunate and I'm so grateful for um, the help that we've got in in the team. We've been working on a shoestring budget, so I'm the only full-time person, but there have been two other women who were introduced to me through other people in, in the startup world. Giselle, who has been just a huge blessing for help with the technical stuff. So integrating all the systems that are needed, the back end, the e-commerce, the, um, just really taking the lead as well, managing some projects. So she's been wonderful. And then Haley is um, our visual graphic design kind of brand communications person. So really doing a wonderful job making Trader look as professional as possible. So also just been wonderful the media and it's, yeah. And her sister started helping out as well with digital marketing, Katie. So just, yeah, it's been great. And then finally, Tegan, who started writing blogs about us um, when she was finishing her undergrad at SFU. And uh, I was kind of taken aback by just her words and her writing. And so she's been helping with some blog pieces as well. And finally, and I can't leave this out, I had... Uh, knee surgery about uh, a year and a half ago after, from a sports injury. So I was going to be out of commission for a couple of days and uh, my brothers had ACL surgery and my dad's had it. And so it takes a, a little while to get back to normal. And, and my mom offered to come and, and help out if I needed it. And so visited Vancouver and saw me fulfilling orders and taking calls and being in meetings with this amazing team. And um, She's been retired for two years or three years now. And so went back home and wrote this formal job application to join Tradle. And uh, I you know, wrote a formal response saying, I'm sorry, but you're just way too overqualified. <laughs> However, you know, um, dot, dot, dot. She's been just uh, a blessing to, to help with, you know, curating orders for new parents working and being like such amazing customer support and things that yeah I was really needing some help with too so it's just been uh, so wonderful to have her as well to learn from I know we talked about kind of um, leadership and 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 so I I don't think I appreciated kind of her career and uh, what she was able to do in in the workforce and kind of she she was running um independent schools and having 400 kids and all these teachers um, kind of who she was responsible for. So yeah, it's been, uh, we've got this amazing team and looking for some more to help kind of on the full-time executive roles. So operations, marketing, hopefully soon, you know, some sort of product management um, from the digital side, kind of helping to build an IP and tech strategy roadmap. But it's been lean for the first uh, little while and and hopefully we can grow and uh, really make this work on on a different scale yeah that's great and that's so sweet about your mom I think sometimes we often take our parents for granted and then it's when we get older we're like oh you actually know a lot of stuff (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> so true. So true. And so since you're the only full-time team member right now and there's a lot going on in your business, do you have any productivity tips or any strategies to manage your time that you can share with everyone? I really don't. And I really wish I did have a system or a process and a set of habits. The one thing I am trying to be really good about is just getting enough sleep and exercise. Having regular check-ins with the team is, is really important because, you know, we've been all, the, all, my team is, uh, they're, they're natural freelance people. So they're comfortable and always working independently and on their own schedule, but it's always great. And I think we all appreciate kind of connecting once a week for check-ins. And, and so that's really helpful too. Other than that, I wish, yeah, I could provide more insights, but I think everybody is a little bit different. And I think really it's up to each individual to figure out how to find that flow state that works for them. Yeah, I appreciate your transparency because half the time I hear people having like really intense morning routines or they're super into productivity and time batching and blocking and all these things. And then half the time I'm just like, are you actually doing this? <laughs> I have a friend who gets up in the morning, four o'clock every day. Oh my gosh, I could never. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I admire that. And I've tried and wanted to get up at ungodly hours, but it just doesn't work for me. However, the mornings that I do find to be productive, I find the day to be exceedingly productive. So I think if you can find some sort of way to, yeah, make the most of your mornings, the rest of the day kind of just falls into place more efficiently. But that's, that's me. And can you also shed some light into the logistics and the operations of your business? I'm really curious because I'm a really big fan of Jennifer Hyman, who's the founder of Rent the Runway. And she often says that they're not in the business of renting clothes. They're actually in the dry cleaning business. And as you can imagine, there's a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes when it comes to this type of rental business model. And so can you shed some light on that? Yeah, it's been the biggest learning curve for us, definitely, because essentially we are a materials moving business. You know, we don't make the products. We're just trying to find an efficient way for everybody to use them. And so it's not at this scale overly complex. We have an inventory, products get entered into the system. We create the orders, we fulfill them, we send them out in reusable and returnable packaging, which has been great through Canada Post now. We receive them back and then we're going one by one, you know, through each item because we're finding the curated wardrobe a really good thing too. It just reduces all the shipping and stuff, maximizes the uh, mix and match of the wardrobe. We get things back oftentimes with notes. Things were stained here, they're holding the knees there, button came off here. So we'll set those items aside. We'll send everything to uh, a local partner that does an eco-friendly laundry service washout. They're great on commercial. Big shout out to those guys. We get those back and then just put them back into, into the inventory to, to be used hopefully uh, soon after. So it's not too complex, but again, at this scale, it's manageable. Um, when things get larger, we'll, we'll have to hopefully utilize these digital IDs to make it as efficient as possible. And as well, you know, I love Jennifer Hyman and been learning from her and, and Rent the Runway, real protagonist, but think she has the largest dry cleaning facility in the world, right? Where it's all very centralized. And I think 
the the future is a more decentralized system where the circular economy is all about keeping things local and reducing that carbon footprint of having to ship things, you know, from Vancouver to our customers in Halifax. You know, it's great right now, but ideally it's all localized. And so this is also something that we think the digital IDs will help with. We have the ability to track these things and they can be anywhere. And, and I feel like I need to be a lot better about the privacy issues that people might be concerned about, but really these RFIDs are like a barcode, right? And so it's just uh, access a link to a website that is tracking information, not in real time. Yeah, anyways, a lot to learn and a lot to be a lot better at too, as we become more efficient with this circular service. Yeah, and I really liked your point about the decentralized and localized piece because to your point, there's sustainability benefits, but then also you help the local economy and you can build a community around that too. Exactly. You took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> we don't want these brick and mortar, you know, the, the local kids stores like Bean Sprouts on, on Main, like they're so important to the community and for connectedness. And, and so we would love them to ideally be involved in this uh, ecosystem as well. We're really trying not to think this is the be-all, end-all solution. We, we want to know how we can collaborate and, and work with the existing infrastructure to, to make this work. And speaking about the RFID piece as well, do you mind elaborating? Because I know you mentioned it's a barcode, but I do know that some people can be really suspicious or paranoid about it. So would love to hear more about that process. Yeah, so it's essentially like miniature antenna, and these are passive RFIDs, so you have to have the right kind of scanner to send a radio wave that hits this antenna and bounces back to the scanner, where it can then go, oh, that is, you know, 032961, and, you know, Tradle knows, oh, that's a Prater Organics, you know, Romper 6 to 12, Acorns, it's been used three times, right? doesn't really say who, who the parent is or the, or the kid. It's very, very basic. And I definitely want to be more proactive. And I'd love to know from your audience, you know, how concerned are they about these kind of things? I mean, we know that some people can really um, be nervous. And so we want to try and get ahead of that and kind of just be able to properly communicate essentially these tags because they're already being used in hospitals for bed sheets and linens and you know, you've got these QR codes everywhere. I think it's an important discussion to have. And yeah, we just want to be try, totally transparent and, and honest about it. It's, again, more about just trying to help us make the system more efficient and, and financially feasible and viable. Also, it's just a great way to collect information on our products so that we can make the most of it and, and responsibly close it of it to end of life. I would also love to hear about the sustainability impacts behind Tradle. Are there any metrics or milestones that you're particularly proud of and you're able to share with us? Ooh, yeah. So we, again, I think I already mentioned it, are just really proud about uh, working with these brands that are, are making quality stuff that lasts a long time. And so we, to, to, to date, over two years, have not thrown out a single item where we've kept them all, we've repaired them, uh, if and when possible. We're still storing. We have a small pile of things that we'll need to find some sort of end-of-life solution for, whether it's stuffing into furniture or to toys. 
until these products are designed where there is like a perfect recycling closed loop biodegradable system love to participate in that but there just doesn't seem to be that kind of um, solution in place at this moment but uh, the industry is definitely working towards that which is great there's a cool recycling project happening in toronto and uh, yeah so there's lots of stuff on the go but yeah we've been able to divert a lot of a lot of waste and, and keep things in circulation for a lot longer than we expected that's awesome and I would also love to hear what some of your biggest lessons were in creating and building Tradle over the past couple of years. Yeah, team is everything. And yeah, just working and finding the right people to work with is, is uh, so important. It's great to be lean and to try to figure things out uh, without spending as much money as possible. Because, yeah, ideally, you just want to have all your ducks in a row when you do start approaching potential investors to say, hey, we, we've de-risked a lot of things, we've been careful with the money, built the right team, you know, lined up all of these things. This business, I, it was never kind of a lifestyle idea. It was like, okay, we really need to transition our entire economy <laughs> towards something where yeah, we can reward people for durability of their product and the quality and, and yeah, the whole sustainability aspect. So, uh, and we don't have a lot of time to figure it out either. So we need to be quick and investment is going to be a huge part of this. So yeah, this whole two-year journey has been trying to just build a, a business that's investable. And that's not everyone. That's kind of the, the startup tech world. That's been a fun learning experience and the investors and the angel investors and the, the community in this space have been very approachable and really helpful. And that's just been really cool too, because they've all been there and done that. And so kind of want to see other people succeed. So I've really been uh, taking those relationships as just relationships. What can I learn? And am I the right person that you would feel comfortable uh, investing in? And if not now, what, what do we need to do in the future to, to be that kind of business that you, you would believe in? And so, uh, yeah, it's just been a really great experience overall. I wish I had done it way sooner. And speaking of investors and networking and chatting with a bunch of folks, what is the best piece of advice you've received so far? I think you just have to be comfortable with failing <laughs> and moving forward and learning from those mistakes. Everybody says it, but until you really do it and do it multiple times, you don't actually become comfortable with it. And so knowing that investors have been there, have done that, are comfortable with failure, you know, it's not something to be ashamed about, but actually something to maybe use as a, a badge of honor. It's like, hey, I tried something, it didn't work. We learned from it. Now we're going to improve. And my last question is, what is next for Tradle? Are you going to be expanding beyond children's clothing or are you going to be expanding into different markets? What are some of those goals and objectives you have up your sleeve? Yeah, so right now um, we are fundraising and so we'd love to find the right investment partners to take this to the next level, to keep growing the team, keep growing the number of brand partners we're working with, keep the inventory, the, the members, really validate this whole business at a different scale. And so I've been in a couple of pitch competitions and been connected. Uh, I'm in the finals of the Okanagan Angel Summit, which is great. 
and hopefully when this does go live, there, there will be some good news uh, <laughs> that can be paired with it. But if not, it's uh, been amazing to, again, keep building those relationships, those interested in impact investing. We're really going to just focus on kids' clothing for the time being, ideally expanding the age range. A lot of our, our members have aged out and they're like, oh, we'd love to keep going zero to two right now. But ideally, we can expand the age, uh, age range and then, uh, yeah, so much more on the horizon. That's so exciting. And to wrap things up, how can everyone get in touch with you and support you? What are your links? You can find us Instagram, Facebook. Uh, we're at tradle.community. You can email me anytime, blythe at tradle.ca. Always happy to connect and, and chat and learn. There are so many people with great ideas. Amazing. We will have that linked in the show notes as well. Well, thank you so much, Blythe, for coming on to Recloseted Radio and sharing your knowledge and your experiences with us. This was really helpful, and I know folks are going to get a lot out of it. Thanks. Yeah, it's been really fun doing this, and it's a privilege. So thanks, and I look forward to providing updates soon. And that concludes this episode. If you enjoyed it, please take a screenshot, share it to your Instagram stories, and tag us at Recloseted. Make sure you subscribe to our Recloseted Radio podcast on your preferred podcast platform so that new episodes are automatically downloaded and you don't miss any of our free resources. Lastly, don't forget to rate our podcast five stars and leave us a positive review. That really helps us and continues to allow us to provide this podcast for free. Together, let's write the harmful fashion industry.